This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to A Sharper Life. I am your host, Nikki Sharp, and this week we are talking about toxic relationships. Only the catch is the relationship is with yourself. So in this episode, we are going over when an identity becomes negative and how to navigate change, the Myers-Briggs test and what it really means about you, how your relationship to yourself affects your ability to manifest, an exercise to deal with toxic people in your life and how you also contribute to these relationships and how to break free of the toxic relationship with yourself. So as you are listening to today's episode, I'd like you to consider, is there a trait that you identify with that has since turned negative in your life? Do you blame others for being toxic, but that you do similar behaviors to what I mentioned later in the episode? And are you trying to manifest things based on an identity that no longer serves you? So let's jump in. I am really passionate about this topic. And I actually feel like I talk about this every week. I say I'm so passionate about this topic every week because I'm talking about things really that have moved the needle so much in my life. And specifically today, as we're talking about the relationship to yourself, I have had so many different identities in my life. And I really feel that we as humans, we think that we shouldn't have new dreams or we should, you know, who we are and and the identity that we set when we were 20 years old should be the one we have now. When in reality, it changes all the time. And one thing that I've really learned through coaching clients for the past 10 years is that people get stuck in the belief of their identity. And once you're stuck in something, it actually can turn toxic. And so I want to share just a few quote unquote, identities that I've had in my lifetime. I was a model for many years. And the identity that I had was that I needed to be anorexically thin, which I was. I had an eating disorder, but I need to be so thin in order to make it in this this world, in this career. And I thought that I was going to be a famous model like Giselle Bunchton or Miranda Kerr. And that ended up not being the case. And then I started dating someone who I thought was, you know, I was going to get married to. And my identity was, I kind of had to let go of work a little bit because of the relationship. He was not as happy when I I threw myself into work as much as I I kind of liked to. And so the identity shifted that I kind of became more of the stay-at-home housewife, if you want to call it, even though we weren't married. And I realized that that identity doesn't serve me. I don't like that. I had the identity, if you listened to last, week, last week's episode, of being a little bit more in my masculine growing up. And I realized that this identity no longer served me, that I was feeling burnt out and overwhelmed. And that's what happens when you're living in, in a energy that, you, that you're not supposed to be. So for me, when I learned to be in my feminine, I started relaxing and having, having more energy and more creativity and feeling more inspired. So that was an identity that shifted. And even now, the identity that I'm learning to let go of is one of being single. I know I'm in a relationship and I'm getting engaged, but meaning we're, we're getting married, me and my partner. And I'm learning to step into a whole new set of shoes, ones that I've never 
been before. I've never seen them. And so, you know, getting married, becoming a wife is a, a different identity than when you're engaged. And that's a different identity from when you're dating. And that's a different identity from when you are single. And so I share all of these because we hold on to these identities that we have. And I'm going to ask you to start thinking about what identities do you have in your life? And so we're, we're going to come to that with a little exercise. But what I find really, really interesting is that when we think about nature, and nature is constantly doing incredible things, and specifically animals and reptiles, and, and even and fish, they have these incredible ways of transferring their quote unquote identity. So a snake, as it grows bigger, it actually starts to shed its skin. And what is really interesting about that is that they can shed their skin as much as once a month. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're always growing in size, but it's they're shedding something that no longer serves them. And so as we go through this episode, I want you to think about what is an identity that you can shed that no longer serves you? Or what are past identities that you have already shed? And you're like, oh, yeah, actually, that's a, that's a good one. Like for me, shedding the identity that I have insomnia, I am an insomniac. So the two words I am are the, the most powerful words in the human, human language because whatever comes after that, your subconscious mind believes. And so I am, I am an insomniac. I had insomnia for seven years and I was on sleeping pills for five years of that. I was addicted to it. And because I had this association that I am an insomniac, it was really hard to break that identity. It's going to be the same thing for those of you who associate, let's say, you know, I have depression or I have a mental illness or, you know, I, I am an introvert. Are you really an introvert or is that something that you believe about yourself that you have now done enough times that it has become a part of you? And is that identity serving you? So the other interesting part about nature, as I mentioned, is crabs. I don't know if you've heard about this, but crabs also go into a new shell and it's called shell evacuation. There's a, a specific term. I'm, I'm forgetting it right now. But this happens when a crab needs to trade up, quote unquote, or they grow, they're getting too big for their shell. And so with their housing and their exoskeleton, it's they leave it to accommodate for a larger shell because their body is bigger now. So thinking about this for you, where are you expanding in your life? Maybe you've manifested some new things. You have a new partner and actually your house is too small for just the two of you. Or maybe you just had a kid and you're like, oh, we need more space. So that is you're shedding an old identity. Your house is part of your identity, your belongings, things you own. That's your identity that we get so attached to. So the question is, where and when can you or do you need to shed parts of your identity? So with crabs, the general rule is that the the larger that they are, the longer the process will take. And I share this because it is not unusual for an average-sized crab, so not even one that's huge, an average-sized crab to spend about four to eight weeks buried under the sand while they go through this process. And 
what I find so beautiful about that is in human nature, we think that we need to have it together, have our shit together all the time. And you know, we need to find the new house or get the new job. We need to start working out immediately and lose all the weight. When in reality, take it from the crab, right? The crab goes and buries itself because it knows that it needs to do this in order to come out fresh and anew. And I kind of talk about this of my spiritual journey where I went through my soulbatical. I felt like I was kind of the caterpillar going into a cocoon for two years. And then I came out as this butterfly. And I feel like I'm opening my wings more and more every single day. So for you, thinking about this, where are the identities that you hold on to that you need to release? And here's an interesting thing that I would like you to do. I'd like you to grab a piece of paper and I'd like you to write out at the top of it, I am. And then all over the paper, you can write it in sentences or just bullet points or all over. Write out and say, I am. What are you? What describes you? What are the good and the bad qualities that you think describe you as a human being? So for me, this was things like, I am a kind person. I am loyal. I, I used to have eating disorders. I used to be financially dependent on others. I used to be you know, financially unaware. I am, I, I sometimes, and it doesn't need to always be I am, but just thinking about things that describe you. So I am introverted. I am shy. I don't do well if I'm in a big group of people and I don't know anyone. I like one-on-one conversations. I am a blonde, right? I am a podcast host. So whatever you want to write down, and I want you to go deep with this, as many things as you can with what describes you. And why I say the good and the bad, the ugly, the beautiful is because we have things that we identify. Let's say you identify that you have depression. You've been diagnosed with depression or Let's say you say, I don't like working out. Okay, great. Write that down. And the key here is no judgment. So let's say you have been diagnosed with depression. My question then is going forward into the next step of your life, into this new shell, let's say, that you're trying to step into, is that identity something that you would like to hold moving forward? So is it serving you? I'm not saying that this is going to change overnight, but I'm just having you question, does it serve you to hold on to an identity that says, I have depression? Because if you have depression, my guess is you're probably not going to be as social when you go out or you are going to get overwhelmed easily and you feel that you need antidepressant medication to make you happy. So I just want you to think about these things and ask yourself, what is true in my life? So I know for myself, I do somewhat associate with with being introverted. And going into this next version of myself, I call it me 2.0. So Nikki 2.0, when I look at my I am sheet, I'm able to identify things in my past that were those past identities or past shells or the past snakeskin. And What I love about the snake also is that it represents transformation. So as I've gone through these different identities, I've transformed myself into something, this creature, this incredible human being, right? That is more loving and more compassionate and more kind. But I got there 
by going through these old identities. So I no longer associate with having eating disorders. And I no longer associate with being an insomniac. Because I know that sometimes I have days where I don't sleep as well. But if you listen to the episode of the things that I wish were taught about health, I say, go into the why. Why why is this the case? So if you have depression, ask yourself, why? Why do I feel like I have depression? Well, interesting. Maybe because I don't go out or maybe I'm not fulfilled by my friend group. There's always a reason as to why we are the way that we are. And so as you look through this list of the I am, I want you just to think about, do these things serve me going forward? If I were to picture myself 10 years from now in the place that I want to be, the qualities that are on that paper, do they need to be a a snakeskin that gets shed away or do I want to take them forward? So for me, being a loyal and kind friend, being a great listener, these are things that I want to hold throughout the rest of my life. So those identities go with me into my new crab shell. So just, just some things for you to think about. Now, I want to talk about social values, and this all relates back to breaking free from the toxic relationship with yourself because we all have different values and different identities. And I'm going to give you a little example, and I guess a story about this. So my fiance and I, we met during the pandemic, and we actually moved in together. We lived together. We worked in the same apartment together. We traveled together. We basically spent all of our time with each other. And this is how we really got to know each other and that we we get along really well and we have great communication. And considering we spend so much time together, we really don't get in fights. And funny enough, the only fights that we've gotten into have actually had to do with when we go into social settings and that my fiance maybe doesn't like the way that I'm acting or I'm a little irritated with how he's acting. And why I bring this up is because what we learned is that we moved in together and we got to know each other one-on-one really, really deeply. And that was our journey. And then we didn't start kind of going out and meeting people and him meeting my friends and me meeting his friends until much later when the pandemic was kind of easing up and travel was, was allowed worldwide. And so we had never really experienced each other in these big group settings or you know, in these one-on-one things with my friends, because that's how I like to go out with people. I really like small groups. So Max, like six people. And for him, he likes to go out with all of his friends, these big friend groups that he has. I've just never had those in my life. I've traveled so much and it's just, it's maybe less of a value for me to have these big friend groups because I appreciate the one-on-one so much. And so we started learning that our social values are different, that he really likes to take care of the group. He's that rock. If you ask any of his friends, he's the person that makes everyone feel grounded and safe. And if something's going wrong, he always takes care of it. So when we go out to dinner, for example, I really, I'm all about the experience. I really, I like talking to the waiters because that's part of the experience. And I worked in the the restaurant industry for so many years of my life that it makes me more joyful when I have a conversation with the waiter. And I really want to sit at a table where I can kind of be part of the buzz and see things. I don't like to be in the corner, let's say, or I don't like to be right under the air conditioner because it takes away from my experience. Whereas my fiance doesn't really notice these things as much because he's so invested in just us 
our experience. And so we started to learn these dynamics between each other and understood that we both have superpowers within this. And we also need to compromise and kind of meet in the middle to understand that it's our job to make ourselves feel safe. We can't judge the other person for doing what they do and how they've grown up. But what we can ask to one another and to ourselves is, does that behavior or that quality serve me going forward? So I've never really been around big groups. And I don't necessarily like the dynamic where I just have to go with everyone and whatever time they want to go out to dinner. I'm like, I like my autonomy. I like to go to dinner at 8.30 if that's when I want to go to dinner. I don't want to wait until 11 p.m. when everyone's ready. And so I've had to learn or ask myself, does that characteristic about me that I, I really value my autonomy, does that serve me going forward knowing that my, my fiance has this amazing group of friends and I really like them and I want to take part in the fun that they do? So I'm able to then say, actually, that doesn't serve me. I can let go of that and I can join the group and just have fun and let go of the expectations or any sort of pressure that I put on myself that things need to be done. And the same for he's learned that when we go out to dinner, just him and I, the experience is really important to me. So he's able to kind of join me in that enthusiasm, but it's learned. We're both learning to step outside of a shell that we had and kind of go into this new shell. And why I bring that up is because we had talked about the Myers-Briggs test quite, quite a bit. And if you haven't heard of it, most people have. I think there's about, they quote, like 2 million people take the test a, a year. And there's things out there that say it's applicable and others that say, you know, it, it's not. But in general, I think it's pretty accurate. And it's, it's a 16 personality test, basically, to help you define and understand more of who you are. So why this is good and also bad is because it gives you an understanding as to, oh, I can identify with that. That's like me. So for me, I just took the test actually today again, and I came up with the INFP. So that is the sensitive, creative, idealistic, perceptive, caring, and loyal person. So I value inner harmony and personal growth, focus on dreams and possibilities. Sounds like me. But the I is very much for the um, introverted. And when I've taken the test before, I've actually been more extroverted. And so I, I do believe that if you take this test and why we're talking about shedding skin or shedding, you know, shedding identity or that skin is because depending on where you are in your life right now, you might be more extroverted or you might be more introverted. And as I look at this, I'm like, oh, that's definitely true. I am more introverted right now in my life. I work at home. I work with clients online. I don't really see that many people unless I personally go out of my house. So I have a harder time kind of making plans because I sit by myself all day and I really like my own company. I've, I used to hate it. I used to binge and sabotage, but I really love my own company now. And so for me to make a plan and go out and go to South Beach because I live in Miami, it ends up taking 30 minutes to get there, 30 minutes back. And I'm like, oh man, I'll just, I'll just sit at home and have a glass of wine. And so I ask myself, you know, this quality, this introvertedness, does this enhance my experience in this lifetime going forward? And I'm like, oh, not, not totally. I don't always want to be so introverted. I do like being extroverted, 
It's just, I need to learn or I need to let go of this kind of shell that I have that I get nervous when I'm in a big group of people. So I need to just let go of that identity and step into a new shell. And it can be uncomfortable and painful and it doesn't always feel good, but you're learning to grow into something new, a new version of yourself. So my fiance is an INTJ. And he, when I met him, he really identified as this INTJ. He's like, I am the INTJ. And, and this is the innovative, independent, strategic, logical, reserved, insightful. So here you have me who's like creative and personal growth. And then you have him who's more strategic, logical. So really more of that masculine feminine if we're both balanced. But we are both a little bit more on the introverted side. I am more of the perceiving and the feeling. And he is more of the, uh, what is it? He is more of the thinking and the judging. And so for him, it's like he's driven by original ideas to achieve, achieve improvements, which is so true. But here we have two very, very different people. Like me and my fiance are very much alike in some ways and very much different. But what happened was when we met and going forward, he would really, really identify with this INTJ. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't like people. I don't like going out. The INTJ is this. And I asked him, does this serve you going forward, knowing that you're trying to expand your business and knowing that you're trying to be this boss that people look up to? And does this work with us when we're going out and that you're kind of the more antisocial one? And he realized, actually, no, it doesn't. But it's going to take learning. It's going to take practice to get into something that he's never done before. And that is the key thing here. It's all about practice. It's all about going into something. You might not know what it's going to be like, but eventually it will enhance your experience. And so now we're kind of talking about manifesting and why we're jumping from that. And everything kind of as I'm talking about is building on top of one of one of another. And so manifesting, I want you to think about something that you so desperately want. Maybe you're like, I am ready to call in my soulmate, my partner, or I'm ready to get that that job. I'm ready to get promoted, or I'm ready to buy this house. I'm I'm ready to make new friends. I, I really want to make some new friends. And something that I've talked about too is in the spiritual world, if you are growing and you start to evolve, sort of like as we we shed those the skin or we crawl into a new shell, you do start to crave new friends and you do start to kind of let go of old friends. And that is okay because they I they're friends from that past identity. So as you think about what it is that you want, let's just say, you know, you want to make new friends. You've just moved and you're like, I'm new in a city and I want to make some new friends that that get me, that are in this spiritual world or whatever it might be. And you're having trouble. I want you to identify and ask yourself really where are you manifesting this from? What side of your personality are you manifesting that from? Are you manifesting making new friends from the part that's like, oh, I have been diagnosed with depression and I'm introverted and antisocial and I get really nervous when I go outside and talk to people? Because if you're identifying with all of these things and you're trying to go make friends, well, it does. It, it does take you going out of your comfort zone and it takes you getting to know other people. But the question then becomes, 
Are you happy with where your life is? Or are you trying to go somewhere bigger, deeper, more expansive, whatever it might be? And where are you manifesting from? So I know when I manifest from anything that I want now, I'm able to look at and say, okay, am I am I manifesting this based on something I want in the future? Okay. So I want, let's say I I I want to fly private more often than not. That's a big dream of mine. Am I manifesting that from, oh, I, you know, I don't really like working that much and working stresses me out, right? Because we know that if that's where I'm coming from, that work stresses me out, and I'm probably not going to work as hard to make the money I need in order to fly private versus if I'm like, work inspires me and I get to serve people every single day and I get to make money while I help others live their best lives. Well, I'm probably more likely to then work more and work harder and smarter and feel fulfilled. And when you're fulfilled, you actually enjoy doing things more. And then you have more creativity. And so I just want you to think about where are you manifesting from? Which part of your identity? And one thing that I, I think is kind of funny, there was a, a story that I heard, or I, it's, I don't know, a story, a joke, where a man goes to God and says, God, I'd like to win the lottery. It's a million dollars. And next week goes and prays to God. God, I would, I would like to win the lottery. Week later, I'd like to win the lottery. It's even more money. Then it goes to, you know, the mega millions. God, I'd really like to win. Please, please, please. Every single day and every week, every Monday for a year speaks to God. And eventually after a year, God comes down and says, my son, you have to buy a ticket. And I share that because when it comes to manifesting, we, you know, we've heard the word manifesting and oh my God, you can manifest your dreams. And I'm very much a believer in that. And I also think it's a little bit woo-woo. We need to take a step back and go to practicality and psychology, which says you need to put your dreams down and be aware of them and then put them to action. And so the action side of this and where we're talking about the manifesting based on your personality is if you want to, for me, let's say, fly in a private jet, or let's say you want to lose weight. Actually, let's take that one. You want to lose weight and you don't like your body. But I want you to think about what you wrote down on your paper. Did you write down saying, I love exercise because it makes me feel good? Or did you write down, I don't really like exercising? I can already tell you that if you're trying to manifest that you're going to lose a bunch of weight and you're going to have this dream body, that you're not going to get there very easily because you're trying to manifest from a negative perspective or perception in your identity. So what needs to change? Now, we're going to move on to a toxic exercise, toxic worksheet. So you're going to take out another piece of paper. You can do it on the the back of the IM. And you're going to draw four columns. And the first column to the left is going to be the name. The next column is the behavior. The third column is my action. And fourth column is how do I do this behavior? So before we jump into that, I want to just tell you. So WebMD defines a toxic person as anyone whose behavior adds negativity and upset to your life. So many times people who are toxic are dealing with their own stresses and traumas. To do this, they act in ways that don't present them in the best light and usually upset others along the way. Now, I want you to think about your own life. Where do you have negative behaviors towards yourself? Do you ever binge? 
Do you emotional drink? Do you say that you'll work out and then you don't because you're too busy? Do you go work out because you think you've eaten too much? You're trying to burn off all the calories. Or do you feel like you've completely messed up if you have one extra bite of something? Or let's say you had a bite of cake and it wasn't on your diet. And then you go into fuck it mode, right? Do you ever get cranky or angry at others or lash out just because you've had a tough day or you are tired, lack of sleep? So all of these are negative and toxic behaviors, but they're towards yourself. And so we have to identify and acknowledge that we do toxic behaviors to ourselves. And this goes back to what's the identity that you're holding about yourself? If you hold this identity that says, I am fat, I am overweight, I am not good enough, I, you know, I'll never meet the, the man of my dreams or one of woman of my dreams. Well, I already know that if you have that as an identity, you know, I'm always single, that you're probably going to do some sort of behavior that keeps you in that pattern. And that is where the toxic behaviors come about. So we're going to take it, take it a step further and go into that exercise. So you have your four columns. I want you to think about someone that you, you're like, yeah, that's a really toxic person in my life. I can identify them as having really bad behaviors when they're around me. So I want you to write their name down. And as you write their name, I then want you to write down what's the actual behavior that they do that's really toxic. So we want to get clear and clarify this. Next, what is the action that you can do to limit this behavior? Because we can't change anybody else. You can't change if someone has a negative behavior or not, but you can change either your reaction to it. You can change if you are around that person so much. You can change the type of you know, engagements you have with them. And then the fourth thing is, where do I basically mirror this exact behavior, either to myself or others? So let me give you an example. I had a friend, let's just call her Samantha. It's not her name, but just in case she's listening, I don't think she is. We, we fell out of contact years ago, but let's say Samantha. So Samantha would go there. And then the toxic behavior was that Samantha was always negative. Every time we would talk, it's like, my job isn't good. I'm not getting the raise. You know, I don't have a boyfriend. I'm so lonely. My now, now I have the boyfriend, but he won't, you know, propose to me. Oh, now we're engaged, but we don't have a, a date set or, you know, what it was every single time we talked, it was something negative. And so it wore me out when we were together. And, but I still liked her as a friend. And that's, that's where this exercise is really key. You're able to identify, is the person just not good for you in your life? Like, do they just 100%, they're just not a good person? Or is there an actual trait that they're doing that's not good, but the rest of them is, is nice? You like them. Like, I really liked my friend, Samantha. I really did. I thought she was a great girl. It's just when we would go into these one-on-one -on -one conversations, I just felt so drained. But when we were in a group dynamic, it was actually really fun. Or when we went and worked out, it was awesome having a workout buddy. And so what I learned was I can't control her from how she's going to act and react and what she's going to say. Instead, I can control this situation of how often I see her or the type of engagement. So I knew that working out was really fun. So I would say, hey, I'm going to spin class. Do you want to come? 
we would do that. We would chat for like five minutes after and it was perfect. And I knew that if we went out to dinner with friends, it was also more of a, a fun dynamic. So I was able to kind of mitigate that toxic behavior. So I still enjoyed her company, but I was minimizing the, the negative effect on me. But here's the most important part. It's the fourth column. And once you identify the behavior that that person does, I want you then to see where do I do that either to myself or to other people? So when I look at that and I'm like, God, she was always so negative. I'm able to identify at this time in my life, I was so negative towards myself. I had nothing kind to say about myself to me. I, I talked shit to myself literally all day long. I was like, you're not good enough. You're not skinny enough. You don't look good. You know, your skin's breaking out. You're ugly. You'll never be good enough in business. X, Y, Z. And it's all the things. I'm not saying them out loud, but we are our own worst enemy. We talk so much smack about ourselves to ourselves. And so this is why the toxic worksheet is so profound, is you're able to identify behaviors in other people that, yeah, maybe your mom pisses you off and maybe she's not a nice person. But my guess is she's not actually a mean person. She has some good qualities or your dad or your, your husband or your wife or a friend, whoever it might be is actually probably a pretty okay person or a nice person or even a great person at that. But they have a trait that's not so good. But once you identify that trait, I guarantee that you are doing that to yourself or you're being really negative to someone else when you talk to them on the phone or whatever it might be. And so as you do this exercise, there's going to be a lot of aha moments. And just think about it, that it's all about identity identifying. You're identifying the behaviors that someone else has that, oh shit, I do that too. Because then we're able to see that, well, a toxic relationship actually starts with us. It starts with how we talk to ourselves. And one thing to mention here is that when I was in my, my past relationship, my on and off six year one, it was toxic and it was mentally and verbally abusive really from both of us. And we were codependent. And here's the thing. I was in that relationship because it was an exact mirror of the relationship I was in with myself. I was toxic to myself. I was mentally and verbally abusive to myself. So it's no wonder that I was manifesting, that I was attracting that sort of relationship. And that's why we go back to what are you manifesting? Which side of that identity of the I am exercise are you manifesting from? So the key is just to recognize that we all have behaviors towards ourselves and that we do with others that are toxic. And they can come across as negative or toxic. But the key in this is we're not trying to change other people. We're trying to go back to ourselves and heal ourselves and show up with love for those parts that maybe we don't love as much. Really, like, if you don't love your body, well, that means you need to love it even more, show even more appreciation. And with that, I just want to end on this note. So breaking out of the toxic relationship, out of any toxic relationship, starts with you. Meaning you must acknowledge the things that you do to yourself or others. That's why the toxic exercise is so profound. And you must become aware of the identities that you've been holding on to. And typically, it's for protection that we hold on to these. So 
I want you to ask yourself, is that identity the person that I want to become going forward? And am I manifesting what I want based on the identity that is going to get me there? And if it's not, are you okay to make a conscious change to let go of that identity or to shed that snake skin and to move into a new version of yourself? So much like the snake and the crab do. And you must be willing to be okay with uncertainty. We all face it in life. And it might feel uncomfortable for a bit of time. And while you're doing this and it's sticky and painful and crunchy or prickly or uncomfortable, you need to learn to be okay that you're going into this new version of yourself and that ultimately it will be worth it because who you are today is probably better than who you were five years ago, which is probably better than who you were 20 years ago. You're exactly where you're meant to be. It's just Can you consciously start to shed some of these layers, these identities that no longer serve you? So with that, thank you so much for listening to A Sharper Life. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, a family member, or share it on your social media to your community. And don't forget to tag me at Nikki Sharp if you do that so I can repost it. I really, really love just seeing which episodes resonate with you. And if you haven't subscribed and left a review or rated the show, please, please do so. It helps me to know what you're vibing with and that you are enjoying some things and to know where I can go deeper in others. And it just really helps me with the feedback and it's always appreciated. So until next week, here's to a sharper life. 